ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. I invite you to take your Bible. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 8. We'll look at verse 1. We're going to be studying the whole chapter today, but for sake of time, we can only read one verse instead of 13. Revelation 8 verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Today we look at when heaven falls silent. We're continuing through the book of Revelation. We watch as the events unfold. We've already witnessed the end of the church age, which will culminate in the rapture of the church. Revelation 4 and 1. We've watched as heaven worships God and the Lamb for who they are, what they have done, and for what they will do. Revelation 4 and 5. We've seen the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, take the seven-sealed scroll from the hand of his Father, and we've watched as he began the process of breaking the seven seals. Revelation 6. And as he did, the earth was engulfed in horror after another as the judgments of God began to fall on sinful men. We also studied the events of Revelation 7 where 144,000 Jewish evangelists are saved, sealed, and sent out to preach the gospel of the kingdom to all the nations of the world. Revelation 7 verses 1 through 8. As they preached, a vast multitude was saved out of the great tribulation and washed their garments in the blood of the Lamb. This redeemed multitude is pictured healthy and whole in heaven in the presence of the Lamb and of the Father. In Revelation 7, verses 9 through 17. That brings us to our text for this study. Here in verse 1, the seventh seal is broken by the Lord Jesus. When he breaks this seal, seven trumpet judgments are unleashed upon the earth. Now, if you think things have been horrible thus far, you are right. But the worst is yet to come. Today, we're going to watch as the first four of the trumpet judgments are sounded against the earth. We're going to see things go from bad to worse for those who are living on the earth during the Great Tribulation. Verse 1, self-explanatory. There's silence in heaven. John describes a scene that must be a first in heaven. Absolute silence reigns there for one half an hour. Chapters 4, 5, and 7 all describe heaven as a place of worship, praise, joy, and song, and heaven is described as a place alive with noise. It's a picture as a place that literally throbs with the excitement of 
her inhabitants. Yet we're told here that there's silence in heaven in that land, silence of praise for half an hour. The beast and the elders are silent. The angels and the redeemed multitudes have neither shouts of praise nor songs of joy to offer up. There are no divine pronouncements from the throne. Heaven sits in total silence. Silence is a powerful thing. You can be about asleep in a service, but just let the preacher fall silent and you snap to attention. The silence at the beginning of a wedding lets you know the time has come. Silence can also be nerve-shattering. Have you ever been listening to the radio and suddenly there is silence? You immediately wonder what's happened at the station. Imagine that you've asked your girlfriend to marry you and she sits there in silence for 30 minutes. Imagine that you've been accused of a crime and the jury has come back with your verdict. You're standing before the judge waiting for him to read it and for 30 minutes, which can seem like an eternity, he sits there in silence. What we're seeing in this verse is the lull before the storm. The judgment of God is about to fall on the earth, and heaven has 30 minutes of silence before the judgments commence. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Earth will not hear the Lord's voice, nor will they acknowledge him at all. They rush on in their sins, living their vain lives all the while, ignoring God in heaven. And the inhabitants of heaven, on the other hand, understand what God is about to do. And they fall silent in awe at his presence and his power. Here on earth, we often see people call for a moment of silence. In the aftermath of tragic events such as 9-11. We do it after the event because we have no way of knowing when tragedy will strike again. And heaven is on the verge of a storm coming for the people of the tribulation. Heaven knows that tragedy is about to stroke. And heaven falls silent in the face of impending judgment. I would also show you in verses 2 through 5. There is a service at the altar. Seven angels are pictured standing before God ready to, to do his bidding. By the way, these angels present a good lesson for us. We should also stand ready to do our Lord's bidding. In a day when people are concerned about education, wealth, health, and a host of other things, they think they need to serve God. The greatest ability is still availability. The Lord is looking for people with a heart just like that, a heart just like Isaiah possessed. He's looking for people who will say, Here am I, when he asks, Whom shall I send? 
Now, these seven angels are given seven trumpets, and these seven trumpets are going to be used to send judgments upon the earth. Trumpets, as you know, figured heavily in the lives of the ancient Jews. Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, tells us that two silver trumpets were to be used to notify the people of Israel that certain events were about to occur. A certain blast was used to assemble all the people. Another was used to assemble just the heads of the tribes. A certain sound was used to tell the people when it was time to break camp and march. Another alerted them that there was war very imminent. There was a certain sound that was to be made for each distinct event. That's why Paul said, for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8. So trumpets are very important to the people of Israel. God's people are listening for trumpets. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 15, verses 51 through 52. Trumpets are a big part of our future. Now, think with me just a moment about an event that occurred in the history of ancient Israel involving the use of trumpets. You'll find that text in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. The Israelites marched around Jericho once each day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day. And as they marched, they sounded their trumpets. Well, you know what happened on the seventh day after the seventh lap. They blew their trumpets and they shouted and the walls of Jericho fell down flat. Now there's coming a day during the tribulation when heaven will sound its trumpets against a rebellious earth and the walls of rebellion that have been erected against a holy God by sinful men will fall before his unstoppable wrath. And these trumpets are war trumpets, and they're used to sound the attack. And when God attacks the earth in his wrath, no one will be able to repel his advance. Verses 3 and 4. Another angel takes a censer filled with incense. He takes that incense and he offers it along with the prayers of the saints on the altar before God. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints ascend together into the very presence of God. Now these are mysterious verses, but they do have a couple of lessons to teach us today. One, we must understand this. The prayers of the saints are kept by God. As our prayers leads our hearts and our lips to ascend to the throne of grace or not sit, uh, simply just sin into to, to the world or out in space or in the air to disappear forever. These verses show us that God holds on to our prayers and he keeps them in his presence. You see, some prayers cannot be answered when we pray them. The time is not right. In his time, however, they will be answered as we see it in these verses. Another thing we must notice and remember as believers is the prayers of the saints are answered by God. I'm convinced that we're seeing the prayers of the saints under the altar, Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11, answered in these verses. 
I'm also convinced that the prayers of God's people down through the ages are being answered as well. For 2,000 years, God's people have prayed, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Those prayers are about to be answered. For thousands of years, the people of God have asked him to demonstrate his power, avenge his name, and get glory over sin and sinners. And those prayers are about to be answered. They've been kept. They've been mingled with the fire of the finished work of Christ from the altar, and they ascend up before God. And my friend, they will be answered again. Prayers of the saints have power with God. Here are prayers that have been heard, preserved, and answered in God's time. Now, many of us, all of us, have problems in the area of prayer. You may have been saved for years, but we may not have a strong prayer life. There are no PhDs, advanced degrees in prayer. There are no experts in prayer. We may struggle in the arena of prayer, but if we're saved, we have power with God in prayer. In fact, it is the most powerful tool you have on this earth, and it's the most unused tool we have. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says the Christ that Christ finished redemptive work is a sweet smelling savor in the nostrils of God. And when we pray in Jesus' name, our prayers mingle with his finished work and rise up before God as a sweet smelling offering. It is an offering that he accepts and he blesses for his glory. Our prayers ascend up to God on the basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God hears us when we pray. There is power in the prayers of the saints of God. Think about it. We have an advocate in heaven, 1 John 2 and 1. An advocate is a lawyer, an attorney. We have one pleading our case in heaven, but wait, we have an advocate in our hearts. John 14, 6 uses the word comforter to refer to the Holy Spirit. And it's the same word translated advocate in 1 John 2, verse 1. We have one member of the Godhead pleading our case, our cause in heaven. We have one member of the Godhead pleading our God's cause in our hearts. That's why you and I have power in our prayers. Our praying may seem weak. It may seem ineffective at times. But by the time our prayers arrive in glory, they are not in the same form as they were when they left our feeble lips. The Spirit of God takes them and he offers them up to the Lord Jesus who takes them and offers them up to God. And when he hears our prayers, they are a powerful force that he uses for his glory. The most powerful people in this world are not the political movers and shakers. The most powerful people are not the kings, the queens, the dictators, the presidents, and the generals. The most powerful people are not the celebrities and the wealthy. The most powerful people in this world are widows, women, men, children, the poverty-stricken, and others who believe in the God of heaven and call out to him by faith. So Christian. Pray, pray, and as you do, your prayers are mingled with the finished work of Jesus Christ, and you have power with God. There is more power in your prayers 
than you can ever imagine. Verse 5, the angel takes the censer and fills it with fire from the altar, and he casts this into the earth. And when he does, there are sounds from the earth, and these sounds are the premonitions of the upheavals that are coming upon this earth. Did you notice that the same fire that causes the incense and the prayers to rise up also causes the judgments to come down? Judgment is merely the opposite side of rejected love. Men have rejected God's love, his grace, the gift of his darling son, and there's nothing left for them but the undiluted wrath and judgment of an offended God. That's what we're about to see as these trumpets are sounded and judgment falls upon the earth. And verses 6 through 13, we see Not only is there silence in heaven, not only is there service at the altar, but in verses 6 through 13, there's suffering on the earth. Verse 6 tells us that the angels take their places and prepare to sound their trumpets. And as they do, we're about to see one horror after another visit the earth. Verse 7, we have the trumpet of devastation. The first trumpet brings hail and fire mingled with blood. This may be a description of hail falling from the skies mingled with lava from volcanic eruptions. The blood might be that of men and animals killed in a cataclysm, or it could refer to contaminated water droplets that have the appearance of blood. Whatever the nature of this judgment, this storm of wrath falls upon the earth and burns up one-third of all the trees of the earth along with all the grass. As a result of this judgment, oxygen levels plummet and the quality of breathing, breathable air suffers greatly. The word trees speak of fruit trees. Wheat, which is used to produce bread, is a type of grass. Grass is used to graze livestock. So this judgment will have a tremendous world impact on food supplies. Verses 8 and 9, you have the trumpet of destruction. When the second trumpet Sounds a fiery mountain is seen falling into the sea. One-third of the sea is contaminated. One-third of all marine life dies. One-third of all human ships are destroyed. This will create a catastrophic economic disaster. In verses 7 and 8, both of these mention blood. Blood will fall from the skies and the sea will be turned to blood. And I think God is sending a clear message here. Man has rejected the blood of Jesus Christ as the sole means of salvation and God places the blood right before their eyes as a constant reminder that nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away the stains of sin. Verses 10 and 11. You have the trumpet of death. Another object falls from heaven. It's probably a comet or something of that sort. And it falls upon the fountains of fresh water and causes them to become poison. The word wormwood translates from a Greek word that means bitterness. It refers to a plant whose leaves are used to manufacture a certain drink called absinthe. 
This alcoholic beverage is so toxic that it's banned in many countries, and one-third of the, sp the sweet, fresh waters of the earth are poisoned, and many die from drinking these tainted waters. Verse 12, the trumpet of darkness. When the fourth trumpet sounds, God turns down the power of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and their power is reduced by one-third. They're dimmed. And when they do shine, they are not as bright, nor do they shine as long as they used to. This could be a result of all the ash and debris from the earlier judgments. I don't pretend to know, but I can tell you this. This is, a, a, this is caused by the supernatural hand of God. The results are the same. The earth is plunged into a darkness as the sun and the moon and the stars refuse to give their light. This will affect all the growing seasons, weather patterns, plant life, and temperatures on the earth, mankind's physical and emotional health. This trumpet will take a great toll on humanity. And since the beginning of time, man has been taking God for granted. He's ignored God. He's blasphemed him. He's lived as though he never existed. And man has also taken God's creation for granted. There's always been plenty of trees, green grass, always been plenty of oxygen to breathe, always been plenty of fresh water to drink. Just go to the faucet or the, or the water fountain, turn it on. During the tribulation, God will take away what man has always taken for granted. Man will be judged for his refusal to bow before God and to acknowledge his lordship. Verse 13, you have the testimony of doom. This chapter closes with an angel flying through heaven, pronouncing further woes upon the earth. All things are bad, but not as bad as they will become. The worst part of the tribulation still lies ahead. If you have never been saved, oh, there'd be a great time to think about that. If you have been saved, this would be a good time to rejoice that you're going to miss these events. Now, we look at these things and we ask, how could this ever happen? It will happen just as God says it will happen. In closing, there's a couple of verses I want to share with you. Ezekiel 38, 23, 22 and 23. The Bible says, and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord." God will prove his glory in the day of his judgment and he will do the things that we've read in these verses to show man just who God is. Another passage in Matthew 24 and verse 29 where Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. He's describing the very events that we've read about today. Notice the phrase, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. The word powers comes from the word dunamis, which give us the word dynamite. It means inherent explosive power. The word heaven comes from the word uranos which gives us the word uranium. 
And the word shaken means to, to be set off balance. Now, without trying to change what the Scripture says, that's strictly forbidden. But looking at it this way, it reads, And the power of uranium shall be set off balance. When God created the universe, he built within the tiniest part of this universe the atom. And the very power to destroy this universe is inside this universe. When man learned to split the atom, he unleashed the most powerful and destructive force in existence. Mankind possesses the power to literally destroy the world. Could it be that God will use a nuclear explosion to accomplish what he wills? I don't know, but I do know that he has built the potential into every atom in this universe. Everything around you, from the air you breathe to the pews that you sit on, can become an instrument of destruction. There's much more we can say about this. Our time is gone. But the bottom line is this. Judgment is coming upon this earth and upon all those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the best thing you can do today is to be saved by his grace and to come to Christ. You have that option. But I'm telling you, not me, but God is saying, this judgment is coming. You have spit in my face for over 2,000 years, and I'm sick of it. And he will judge the world. Man tries to change the climate. Man tries to change anything that they think that God would take away from them. All the while, they seem and they want to passionately deny the existence of God. God will judge, and he's going to judge, and the only way to avoid judgment is to run to God for shelter in the very fact that Jesus Christ has died for you and covered your sin, and you come to Christ, and you say, God, save me. That's the only way to avoid judgment. That's the only way to avoid hell. That's the only way to avoid the lake of fire. You people laugh and they scoff and they don't believe in it. It doesn't matter whether you believe in the reality of hell or not. It is true and you're headed there unless you have Jesus Christ. So it's your decision. You've had ample warning. And God says there's coming a day when I will finish the task of purifying this earth. And he will. Judgment is coming on this earth and upon all those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Come to Christ now or forever be lost. That is your invitation. That is the truth. That, my friend, is the only way to avoid the tragedies that are coming to this earth. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.